It's my privilege today to introduce to you a good friend who's our guest speaker today, Micah Davison. Micah was uh, working for about five years in Corpus, leading a great church there. Uh, uh, and then after that, uh, God called him to Austin, Texas to start a church about three years ago. And uh, just he and his family went there and just began to plant that church. He's going to tell you a little bit more about that. I had the privilege of being there about three weeks ago. Uh, they're meeting in Bowie High School and a gymnasium, about 1,000 people coming now after three years. And uh, we're thrilled to have him here today. And would you give a Lake Point welcome to Micah? Well, hey, Lake Point, thank you. It's great to be here. I want to just say a special welcome to those connecting over the internet. Some of you are connecting over the internet because you flew somewhere that doesn't have a Lake Point campus nearby. Some of you are on the internet campus today because you have the flu. Either way, we're glad you're connecting with us. Uh, Lake Point, let me tell you what you already know. Let me just remind you of something you already know, that your pastor is one of the great leaders in the church today. He really is. Uh, Pastor Steve influences leaders here and around the world, and I've had the privilege to know him as my mentor and my friend for several years, so it's an honor to be with you today. Would you take out a Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and today we want to talk about how to move from worry to worship, and we're going to look at a familiar story. It's the story of when Mary was visited by an angel. As we walk up to the Christmas season, I know you're already thinking about who you will invite to Christmas Eve as we packed this place uh, several different times, uh, and as you do, we're in this whole season because Jesus came to change the world, and, and Mary gets this news from the angel, and you're, it's, it's going to be familiar to you because it's just going to describe the incarnation of Christ. Now, uh, if you're not careful, though, you're going to be tempted as you hear this story to say, well, even if I've heard this story before, I just can't relate to Mary. Uh, I'm not a teenager. It's been many years since I've been one of those. Uh, I don't live in Nazareth, nor have I been to Nazareth. I've never been visited by an angel, at least I don't think so. I can't even spell the word incarnation, so what do I have in common with this story? I, I believe you're going to be blown away by how much you can relate to what happens in this story, because even though it is history-making in that God is putting flesh on and he's going to walk among us, it's also so practical, because in this story, you have a person who is anxious. Mary's overwhelmed. Look at how the Bible describes it in Luke chapter 1, verse 29. When the angel tells her the news, notice how she responds, verse 29. But she was greatly troubled, and just circle that in your Bible, was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She was greatly troubled. She couldn't discern what was happening. I love how the New Living Translation translates this same verse. It says, confused and disturbed, she was trying to think what the angel could mean. The Greek word that's translated uh, greatly troubled is, is literally deep anxiety. Here you have a person who is overwhelmed. She is freaking out. She is stressed out. She is worried. So Lake Point, can we be real today? How many of you guys at least once in your life have ever been worried, stressed out, or overwhelmed? Would you raise your hand? Thank you for not falling asleep in the message so far. You say, Micah, that was my trip here. You have no idea how my spouse drives. It was very stressful, very stressful. This time of year between Thanksgiving and Christmas can just bring those feelings of anxiety and being overwhelmed. But let's just see how much we need this message because we're gonna see how Mary moves from, from worry to worship. 
But I want you to follow along, if you would, in your notes. There's a place to follow along on the back of your worship guide. And, and there's a personal question I want to ask all of us today, and that is, what are you worried about? What is causing you to worry? Now, you'll notice that there's several options in your notes, but if you're taking notes or not, just see which one of these you can relate to. Here's some things that people worry about. Some people worry about the job. Maybe you're worried about your job. You know, uh, can I get a job? Uh, can I find one? Can I keep this one? Uh, some people are worried about the dynamics at work. Just that's causing stress for you. Uh, some people, like my brother-in-law who called me this week from Chicago, who's been with a big, large company for over 10 years, said, Michael, would you pray for me? I just got laid off after 10 years. Uh, jobs can cause stress. Maybe check that box. Uh, you notice that another one on there is, is health. Maybe you're worried about your health. You have a, a questionable report from a doctor. Maybe you have a, a doctor's visit coming up that you are worried about. Uh, maybe you're perfectly healthy, but you're just one of those people, you know? If you get a headache, it's definitely a tumor. You're worried, okay? So just check that box. Health can cause you to worry. Maybe it's the future. You're worried about what is gonna happen in the future. Mary was definitely worried about the future. What's gonna happen to her and Joseph? How is all of this gonna work out? Maybe you're worried about the future. What's gonna happen? How am I gonna get from here to there? How am I gonna fix this situation? And so just check the box. The future can cause worry. Maybe you're worried about money. Money can cause worry. How am I gonna get, gonna get more of it? USA Today said this week that 39% of Americans are worried about how they're gonna afford all the gifts for all the people that are expecting gifts from them. Money can cause stress. Maybe you're not worried about how to get more of it. Maybe you're just trying to protect what you have. How do I secure it? How do I insure it? Do I have enough for retirement? Just check that box. Money can cause worry. Maybe you're worried about your marriage, and if you were honest today, you say, you know what, it's a pretty stressful time right now for us. And if you get really honest, you may even admit, we've actually talked about divorce, worry. Maybe you're on the other side of that, and you say, well, I have a wedding coming up. Well, that can cause stress as well. Maybe you're single, and you're worried if you'll ever get married. That's another way to worry about marriage. You can check that box. Maybe it's kids. Will we ever have kids? Uh, maybe you have kids, well then you're, of course you're gonna worry. Are they okay? Are they gonna grow up okay? How are these kids gonna turn out? Are they safe? Do you have kids or grandkids that you worry about? Check that box. Maybe it's just relationships in general. Relationships can cause worry. Mary was worried about her relationships. She had to go back and tell a man she's engaged to, listen, I've never been with a man, but I'm pregnant. How is that conversation gonna go? I'm worried. You know, um, she's worried about what the people in Nazareth are gonna say about her and all the rumors that people will start. Maybe you're worried about relationships, what people say, what they're gonna do, how they're gonna react, or just trying to fix a relationship. You can check that box. Now, you'll notice in, in the notes that I just have this word, et cetera, because we need to move this message along, folks, okay? I don't have time to tell you everything that we worry about, but we do worry. We worry about the economy, the environment, the government, the weather, the stock market. We worry about the cowboys being the Eagles tonight, we, we're just worried. We're, we're worried about the Mavericks lost yesterday. What are we gonna do about all that? We're worried about getting the high score on Bejeweled again, you know, whatever. <laughs> we worry. Now, let me just ask this question. By a show of hands, we've gone through some of the things we worry about. How many of you at Lake Point would say, I worry at least about two of the things you mentioned. I've worried about those recently. Would you raise your hand? Worry, yes, all over the building, okay? How many of you say, hey, it's not just two. I'm a four or more person today. Four or more of the things you mentioned I worry about. It's just some of you are worried about raising your hand because you don't want people to think 
worry. There's just worries everywhere today. We, we need to talk about this. We know that we need to talk about worry, and, and Mary helps us to know how to move from worry to worship, but this is what I want you to write down in your notes. Worry doesn't work. Worry is everywhere, it just, but it just doesn't. We know this. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor right now, worry doesn't work. Just tell them, worry doesn't work. It doesn't. Worry doesn't work. I mean, think about this. Worry, uh, it doesn't help solve any problem. It's never brought a solution to your life. It can't solve the past. It can't change the future. As a matter of fact, worry causes problems, doesn't it? Worry causes all kinds of problems. Think about this. Worry causes problems to your body. Uh, Physically, you are not designed to worship. I mean, you're not designed to worry. You're designed to worship. Just making sure you're listening. You're not designed to worry. Designed to worship. Yeah. You're not designed to worry. Worry, if you don't, you're designed to worship. If you worry, though, what does it do? It causes ulcers, backaches, headaches, insomnia. It just causes all kinds of problems. You're not designed to worry. You're designed to worship. Now, if you worry, it's going to keep you from enjoying the blessings of the present. Recently, my family and I, we went out to a Christmas tree farm to, to get a real tree. Now, we have to get a real tree because we're, our name's real life. We don't want anybody to think we're fake or anything. So, so we went to a, a tree farm, and, and they, they said on the website that they provide a saw for you. I thought that was nice that they, they give you a, a blade. So, so we went out there, and when they handed this to me, I noticed that it was about as sharp as the scissors I got in second grade. So it wasn't gonna be um, a quick uh, endeavor. So we, have, we went out to this field of trees and we found the tree that we were gonna take home. And I wanna show you what happened next because my wife was so excited. She took a picture of our family around the tree. This is three of my four kids. I have four teenagers in the house. And so, so they're all excited. They're enjoying the moment. It's just a wonderful moment. Now, I am also in this picture, but you can't really see me. Do you, do you see me? Yes, I, I, there I am. I, I'm under the tree. We gotta get this started here. But, but I want you to see, this is what worry looks like. Everyone else is enjoying life, but you're worried. You know what worry does? It takes you out of the picture. That's what it does. You just, I gotta figure this out. I gotta fix it. I gotta, I, worry, and, and everyone else is enjoying it. How do we move from worry to worship? Well, in your Bibles in Luke 1 is the description of the incarnation of Christ. It's a history-making event that we're gonna celebrate Christmas Eve. That's why you're gonna invite so many people to come. But it also gives us three very practical decisions that Mary makes that how she moves from worry to worship that you can make today. So let's pick up the story in Luke chapter one and, and look at verse 29. Let's go back up to verse 29. The angel tells her the news, sorry, uh, go up to verse 26 from 29. Here we go. In the sixth month, of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, if you struggle with anxiety, I want you to see what's happening with Mary right now. So far, Mary's got a plan. She knows exactly where her life is going. She's got the direction for her life, and she knows what the plan is. Mary is a teenager. That means she's got all of life figured out. Here's how it's gonna be. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna marry Joseph. We're gonna live in Nazareth, and we're gonna have a family. That's the plan. So why does Mary get greatly troubled in the next verses? What happens All of a sudden she realizes her plan isn't the plan. Her plan, it's not gonna work out like she thought. It's not gonna be the way she thought it was gonna be. The direction she thought she was going, it's going to be a different direction. It's going to look different. Her whole life 
is about to change. And Mary teaches us how to move from worry to worship with this first decision. I want you to write it down. She decides, I'm gonna let go of my need to control the situation. She's tempted to worry, she's greatly troubled, she's deeply anxious, but she decides, you know what, I'm gonna let go of my need to control. Typically, we get more anxious the more out of control we feel. And the more out of control we feel, the more anxious we get until we get to a point where we try to micromanage everything, we try to fix everything, we're gonna control this, we're gonna make this work, and we even try to force things to happen. Mary is working through this just like we would, and I want you to see in Luke chapter one, go down to verse 34. You have to let go of your need to control, but she asked this question. Mary said to the angel, and just circle this in your Bible, how? We ask the same question. Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Very normal reaction. She asked how. Well, Mary, we still don't know how. 2,000 years later, we're still trying to figure it out. But we know it's important that, that the Savior must be born to save us from our sins. But we ask this question, how? We ask this question all the time, how? How am I gonna work this out? How am I gonna solve this problem? How am I gonna make this payment? How am I gonna fix this relationship? But I want you to see what Mary does. She actually lets go of her need to control. Here's the bottom line. Whatever is bugging you in your life right now is bugging you because you can't control it. It's bugging you because you can't fix it. But God is in control even when you feel like you're not in control. Now, there's thousands of people listening today at Lake Point and the odds are that there are many of you listening to me who are control freaks. We're not gonna point you out, but you're out there today. You're a control freak. That means that if everybody in your family would just do what you wanted them to do, your family would be awesome. If your business would just listen to you, your business would be fantastic. If you could control the world, this would be an amazing place to live. You are control. Did you know there's a verse in the Bible for control freaks? There is, I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. As a matter of fact, Lake Point, I want us to read it together, okay? Let's read this out loud, shall we? You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You're welcome. You know, that's one of life's greatest lessons, especially for me, I'm one of those control freaks. I, I wanna control things, but, and plans are good to make, and planning is, is, is this very spiritual gift, but God's purpose prevails, and there's just some things you're not gonna be able to control. There's just some things you're not gonna be able to figure out. You say, Michael, why? Well, one of the reasons is because God wants you to depend on him. God wants you to rely on him. Look at John 16, 33. Jesus says, I've told you all this so that trusting me you will be unshakable and assured. Not because you understand what's happening, not because you know why or how. You'll be deeply at peace in this godless world. You'll continue to have difficulties. You're still gonna ask how, you're still gonna ask why. But take heart, Jesus says, I've conquered the world. I will overcome your worry if you trust in me. Psalm chapter 138 verse eight says this, the Lord, will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. If you wanna move from worry to worship, you're gonna have to let go of your need to control. That's the first decision Mary makes. But here's the second one. You're gonna have to start praying about everything, about everything. It's a very simple decision, but it's very powerful, and it's what Mary does. You say, Micah, I need to pray about everything? Yes, everything. You say, well, Micah, I don't have time to pray. Do you have time to worry? Oh, I've got plenty of time to worry. 
Here's what you do. You just take all that time you've been worrying and pray about all the things you would worry about. And then when it gets time to worry, you'll realize you don't have a lot to worry about. Because remember, worry doesn't work. Worry doesn't change anything. It's like pushing the accelerator on a parked car. But prayer does work. Prayer can change things. And I want you to see how this works for Mary in her life. She decides to pray because you really have two options when those moments come. You can panic or you can pray. Look at what happens. Go down to verse 46 in your Bibles. She moves from worry to worship. This is an amazing prayer. Verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. Do you hear her prayer today? She's saying, I still don't understand. I still don't know why, and I definitely don't know how, but my soul will magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. I hope you read the rest of that prayer as you walk through this week and up to the Christmas season. But I just wanna stop here and remind you that in this prayer, Mary's situation hasn't changed. She still doesn't know all the rumors in, the, in Nazareth about her reputation. She still doesn't know how her and Joseph's relationship will work out. She still has uncertainty about the future, and there's a lot of unknowns, but this is what she does. Her soul awakens to the reality that there's a God who cares. There's a God who loves me. I know that he is concerned about me, and therefore I will pray to him about everything. And through that prayer, you can just hear her heart awakening to that reality. The Bible says for us to do the same thing. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse six. And I want you to read the first two words with me on the screen, Lake Point. Let's say this together. Don't worry. You're welcome, okay? That's that, don't worry. The Bible says don't worry about anything. Instead, three words, say these with me. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Just start praying about everything. How do you move from worry to worship? Well, you don't worry. Instead, you pray to God about everything. You tell him what you need, and you thank him for all he has done. If you start praying about everything, listen, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. As Pastor Steve mentioned, my family and I, we moved to Austin about three and a half years ago, and we started a church in Austin, we had a lot to worry about. We could have worried about. We had no core group, we had no funding, and we're moving to a city that we really didn't know. How many of you guys have ever heard the phrase, Austin is weird? You ever heard that phrase? Yeah, it is, it is weird. And let me tell you, one of the reasons it's weird is because over a million people in Austin don't go to church, over a million. It is the most unchurched city in the state of Texas. It's in the top 10 most unchurched cities in America. And according to Forbes magazine, it's the fastest growing city in the nation right now. 150 people are moving to Austin every day. We had a lot to worry about. We actually chose a, a place in Austin that was eight square miles just south of downtown. 18,000 people live here. No church building in eight square miles. And we rented a house, started a church, and we decided we're not gonna worry. We're gonna pray, and this was our prayer. God, do what only you can do so only you get the credit for it. And after we cast vision and invited people and built relationships and prayed really hard, after six months, we had 40 people. We were so excited, we went from six to 40. We were the fastest growing church in Austin at that time. It's great. But with 40 people, we found an elementary school that would let us meet there, and so we had the place. We were a couple of months from meeting there. We said, well, let's get a mailer, and we'll send out a mailer and tell everybody about our church start. That was a great idea. We, we printed the mailer, and then we realized that we didn't have enough money for postage. 
one of those church planning problems. We've got all these mailers and not enough money for postage. So we decided we're gonna prayer walk two zip codes in the next two weeks. And we're gonna, t- we're gonna put a hole punch in the corner of this mailer, we're gonna put a rubber band through it and tie it on the doorknob of every house in two zip codes. It took us two weeks, 40 people. And my family, we were out every night, almost every night of those two weeks, putting the word out. Now I got this idea from a Chinese restaurant <laughs> because they would put the menu on our doors, rubber band it to the door. I would get so mad, why are they putting this on my door? And I would end up ordering an egg roll. So. If it could work for Chinese food, maybe it'll work for Jesus. So we just started a prayer walk to Zipco's. And this was our prayer. When we put it on the door, we didn't knock on the door. We just said, God, would you open this door to the gospel? Would this family go to church somewhere? And the whole message of Christmas, would this family find the hope and the love of Jesus Christ? Now, opening day came. We had the elementary school. We were so excited. And, and, I, and I gave a rallying speech to our 40 people, core group members. And I said, listen, what would happen if we more than doubled and went over 100 people today? In, in, in Austin, uh, 80% of the churches have less than 80 people. So we would already be in the top 20% in one day. How awesome would that be? And I'll never forget it as long as I live. And neither will those 40 people. But when we opened the doors to the elementary school, over 400 people Walk through the doors. It was one of those moments where we said, well, Lord, we did pray for you to do what only you could do, and that's what you did. We outgrew the elementary school in three months. We moved to a middle school. We outgrew the middle school in a year, and we moved to Bowie High School, where we meet now in two services. I don't know where we go from here. I guess we go to UT, Uh, so um, (laughs) graduate to college, but... But God has truly done great things, and this year we celebrated our third anniversary, and this year, I'm humbled to tell you, we'll baptize over 300 people as a church family and celebrate them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So we're just, we're just blessed by that. Now, we don't have a church building, um, so we are portable. This is how we pull off baptisms. Let me show you this picture. We have a pool from Walmart, okay? This is how we do it. And so what we do is we set this pool up in the courtyard of the public school we meet in. And we get food trucks around, because we're awesome, we have food trucks. So we put food trucks around the pool and we have a big celebration. And we baptize people and this couple just prayed to receive Christ this year. And you can see that uh, she is nine months pregnant. This is as close as we get to infant baptism at real life. But, um, but just seeing the life change, seeing the families come and just knowing that those 300 people I just mentioned All of them are over the age of 12 years old. These are people who did not have faith in Christ, completely unchurched, coming to faith. In the last 18 months, half of all the people that come to real life have prayed to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is truly what only God could do. Our prayer was, God, do what only you can do, so only you get the credit for it. And so look right up here, would you, today? I don't know what you're worried about, but this is what I do now. If God can take care of my wife and four kids and a family moving to a city they didn't know with no core group and no funding and see that, God's ability is greater than your anxiety today. You trust him. You start praying about everything. Look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Lake Point, let's all read this out loud together as well. Read this with me. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Believe that today. There's a God who loves you, and so the first step is, is I'm gonna let him control my life. I'm gonna let go of control. I'm gonna start praying about everything. And this third step is so crucial, simple but powerful. Mary decides, I'm gonna believe that God will take care of me. 
I'm gonna believe that God will take care of me. See, the first step is I'm gonna let go of control and admit I'm not in control. Second step is, is I'm gonna say, you know what, I'm gonna start praying to the God who is in control. Third step is, is I'm gonna actually believe that the God who's in control actually cares about me and he'll take care of me and he'll move on my behalf and help me. Watch how this works in Mary's life in your Bibles, Luke chapter one. Go back up to verse 37. And the angel tells Mary some powerful words. She, the angel says to her, for nothing will be impossible with God. Some of you came for that one phrase, nothing is impossible with God. And look how Mary responds in the next verse. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What did she say? I believe God will take care of me. I'm gonna serve him. And may my life line up with his will because I trust that his will is best. You see, Mary moves from worry to worship by simply moving between two questions. Instead of asking how, she moves to who. And that's what we have to do. Instead of saying, God, how is this gonna work? How am I gonna fix it? How am I gonna solve it? Who am I gonna trust with it? Who am I gonna believe will help me? Who am I gonna believe will care about me? When you make that shift, what you're saying is, is I'm gonna make Jesus the Lord of my life. You say, well, Michael, what does it mean to make Jesus the Lord of my life? It means who's in control? The Lord is the one in control. The Lord is the one who's the CEO, who's gonna be in charge, who's gonna manage our lives. And we say, God, you call the shots, that means Jesus is the Lord of your life. I'm gonna call the shots, means Jesus isn't the Lord of your life. And I want you to see this very familiar Christmas passage in Matthew chapter one, verse 23, because it reminds us that the Lord is always with us. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means three words, like point, say it with me, God with us. I'm gonna start believing that not only will God take care of me, but God is with me. Now, I know at this point in the message, you, you're probably thinking, Micah, I, I can relate to what you're saying. I believe it's all truth, and it's very inspiring, but it's so hard to do. You have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea what I'm wrestling with. You have no idea why I feel overwhelmed, and you're right. But what I wanna share with you today is a situation that happened to me this summer that allowed me to intersect with the truth that we're talking about, because it's a lot easier to talk about not worrying than to actually do it. And how do you actually literally move from worry to worship. Before I tell you the story, I wanna share with you one of my applications, what I did during this time that I still do today. I actually set my smartphone to remind me to trust God, and this is what it says at 8 a.m. every day. My phone goes off and says, God loves you, and God is with you. You just went through a series this, this fall that talked about technology and the pitfalls of that and the blessing. This is a way to use technology to help remind you God loves me, God is with me, he is Emmanuel. He will take care of me. Now you may use a Bible verse for your smartphone to remind you. You just got through with a series about God's word and that's a great way to remind you of a verse every day. So I look down at my phone, I have lots of appointments, my phone's always reminding me. My phone goes off at eight, I'm like, oh, who do I have to meet with now? Oh, God loves me, God is with me. And I can walk through, I'm not gonna worry today, I'm gonna worship him. And this is where this application came out of. It was a situation with my dad. And let me show you a picture of my dad so you can understand just how awesome this guy is. And uh, matter of fact, Pastor Jared, your teaching pastor here, he knows my parents and knows this story. But my dad is one of my heroes. Uh, he was in the military, served in the Air Force, and he's a hero for that reason in my life. 
but he's also a hero because he was called out of the military and went into ministry, which is very similar professions. And, and he, he really just lived his faith his whole life. And my parents are a big reason why I am where I am today. They pray for me every day. It's a big reason why I, I believe I am where I am today. Well, here's where the message I'm sharing with you intersected with my life. It was this summer, I got a call from my mom, and she said, Micah, your dad is going downhill. Well, I didn't know dad was going downhill. We had any doctor's visits, what, what's going on? What are you saying? Well, his, his speech is starting to be slurred. I don't really trust him driving. He's forgetting things. He, he, he really can't hold a conversation. I said, well, put dad on the phone. And it was, it was just a shock to me because it, he couldn't even respond or, or, or say hello in any timely manner. It was, just, it, was, it was one of those situations where all of a sudden I realized something's going on. Let's get dad to a doctor. So we took dad to one doctor and then another and finally ended up with a neurosurgeon who did a CAT scan and, and he put the CAT scan on the, the wall and I'll never forget the day because I was on speakerphone as my parents were in Georgia listening to this neurosurgeon, and this is what he said. He said, I hate to tell you this, but your dad had an accident a year ago in a car. We all knew that. He walked away from a total car, but when he did that, he had head trauma that he didn't know about, and he's got all this blood on his brain, and your dad's got six months to live. You've been through those moments too, haven't you? Where all of a sudden, it's not a message you need, it's Emmanuel, but it was in that moment, it just, what did you just say? Now listen, my parents are people of faith. It wasn't a matter of his dad going to heaven, and as a matter of fact, my mom actually put on Facebook that night, well, the doctor said that Bill's going to heaven before the end of the year, he's at peace with it. That's what she put on Facebook. Now that's one of those things, you don't know if you need to like that or not like it, I mean, it's like, what? What do you do with that on Facebook? That's why I'm not on Facebook. It's just too stressful. It's too, I worry about, I'm liking, he's dead, or no, I, I just don't know what to do. She put that on there, and, and I want you to hear what happened next, because we gathered our church together. We had a lot more than 40 at that time, and this summer, and I just said, would you just pray for my dad? Just pray for a miracle. Just pray for God's healing over his life, and I want you to hear what happened next, because over the next weeks and months, my dad got worse. Has that ever happened? He said, Lord, I'm gonna let go of control of this as long as you fix it my way. And it got more difficult and it got more painful. That's what happened to Mary's life. God's plan is often more painful and more difficult than our plan. But there's always a blessing and glory for God in our own lives in the end when we look back. And so we, we continued to pray. My dad continued to get worse. And I scheduled a trip out to be with my parents the next time they met with a neurologist. And so I flew out and we're sitting there and, and my dad had slowly gotten better the week before that. It was interesting to kind of see some symptoms going away, but we went to the doctor and he did a CAT scan and then the neurosurgeon walked in. The same neurosurgeon who I heard his voice over my smartphone tell me my dad had six months to live. Same guy walks in, puts the new CAT scan up on the lit wall and he says, I don't know how to tell you this, but all of the blood in your dad's brain is gone. All of it. And I looked over at my parents as they're trying to process this and he's saying, you don't have to come see me anymore. You, he didn't use the word healed, but if he could have, he would have. He, like, it, 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 there's, the symptoms are gone. You're, it's, you're, you're, you don't have to come see me anymore. And I looked over at my parents and my mom looks at this guy, no hesitation, and says, well, you know what happened. People are praying and God has healed my husband. That's what happened. She said, can I take a picture with you? It's like, mom, what, what did, that's the most random. She said, we need to put this on Facebook. So if you don't follow my mom on Facebook, here's the picture right here with the neurologist. 
So, the, <laughs> the neurologist said, he whispered to me after this, he goes, nobody's ever taken a picture with me, ever. I mean, I've been doing this 20 years. I'm the bearer of bad news. And then he told me, he said, I've only seen this one other time with a 17-year-old, but your dad's 77. This is a miracle. And, and when, I, when I share that, I know that you may be thinking in your own mind, well, Micah, God doesn't always answer prayer that way, and you're, you're, you're right, he doesn't. I just did a funeral for a dear friend who's been battling cancer for 15 years. Jesus did not come from heaven to earth to keep us on earth. He came from heaven to earth to get us to heaven one day. That's the ultimate healing. But I do believe that because Jesus did come, he gives us opportunities like the one I have today. And I don't know all the reasons why God delivered my dad and has kept him around a little bit while longer, but, but I do know that that God knows my mom has 10,000 followers on Facebook. <laughs> and she put on Facebook, well, Bill's not going to heaven by the end of the year. Send your Christmas cards to both of us. <laughs> All right? So uh, I know that God wants a testimony like that. I know that God knew that I would be standing before thousands of you here at Lake Point today to just tell you this. Please look right up here and don't miss it. I don't know how God's gonna answer your prayers. I don't know how he'll come through, but I do know that he will. I do know that you can trust him, and his ability is always greater than your anxiety. How do you move from worry to worship? Well, look at this passage. Um, I'm gonna put it on the screen for you. It's in Matthew chapter six, and Jesus said this, don't worry. Well, how do you move from worry to worship? He says, your heavenly Father already knows perfectly well what you need, and he will give them to you. And would you just read this underlined phrase, Lake Point? What does it say? If you give him first place in your life. What does that mean? That's worship. Worship is giving someone first place. If you worship God, you'll move away from worry. He says, don't worry, worship me. Live as I want you to. So here's the big question today as we close, and that is, I want you to write it down. Who is in control of my life? That's, that's how you move from worry to worship. It's not just the question of the day, it's the question of your life. Who will control your life? You see, if you're trying to control things, that means you're trying to play God, and don't play God. Everyone around you already knows you're not God. Your spouse knows you're not God. You need to know you're not God. And if you're trying to control things like you are, you should worry, you need to worry. But listen, we can walk out of here today and we don't need to worry at all. Because please look right up here. I don't know what you're worried about today or what's overwhelming you, but this is what I do know. God loves you. He cares about you. He knows your name, he knows your need, and he can help you if you will turn the control of your life over to him. Believe today that he cares. Let's pray about that together. Heavenly Father, today, we thank you so much for the story of Christmas, that you came and put skin on and walked among us and died on a cross and rose again. It truly is our hope and the message of love and grace we share. And Lord, I pray right now I know that there are so many burdens represented in this room and so many things that could overwhelm us and so many questions about the future we have. But I ask right now in every heart, there's only you can, you would move every person, even those connecting over the internet, from worry to worship today. May we come back to the reality for the first time to trust you as Savior or for the first time in a long time to say, Jesus, you be our Lord. You be the one that we trust, and I pray that today, because you've moved us from worry to worship, people would see the difference in our lives and how we live and how we act, and Father, in our own attitudes this week. And may you bring some of those people that see a difference in us back to Christmas Eve services so they can find what we know and what we've found. 
And that is, there's a God who cares, there's a God we can trust, and there's a Savior and Lord for us all. We love you, and we thank you for what you have done today and the difference it will make this week in our lives. And we pray it in the name of our Savior and our King, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen.